1: It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided our world has become? We desperately need stories of peace and healing. We find the bridge builders across the globe who are stepping into the divides of culture and bringing understanding, compassion, and reconciliation. And now, here's your hosts, Jonathan Sanborn and Lisa Jernigan. And hello again. Thank you so much for tuning into Counterculture. I'm your host, Jonathan Sanborn. And I would turn to my right, and I would say, "And this is Lisa, but Lisa's not here." It's it's I, I'm half a man. My amazing co-host is as as usual traveling to someplace important. That that gal is connected, and she's she's makes the show great. And thankful for her, but. I think I know how to handle things and I'm we're here in studio I'm I'm thrilled cuz not only I love when a guest aren't calling in when they're actually here in person because I get to see them bob their heads during the opening music and that's always a good sign I feel I feel a, a sense of connection so we have today Jennifer Evans thank you so much
2: Thanks for having me
1: So glad you took the time out of your busy life and so Jennifer's a big deal She's she's done – no, I'm just kidding. But, yes, she is. But she is. But Jesus she is. is the
2: big deal. Jesus is
1: a big deal. I know. That's great. Jennifer – so we actually have never met before, but but we've been friends through mutual contacts on social media. I've been kind of following her journey, and she's she was gonna, can't wait for you to tell us about that. But you are the well, – well, let's just say – are you the CEO? Executive Director. Executive Director of Grace Sober Living. And just give us – what is the mission statement for what is Grace Sober Living?
2: Yeah, our mission is to transform lives by providing Christ-centered recovery, care, and housing to people overcoming drug and alcohol addiction.
1: Fantastic. Because th- that's a very relevant topic for just about everyone. Because if, if, you know, if you're a listener, maybe that doesn't relate directly to you. But chances are you know someone who in their, either in their journey or currently has some form of addiction. We live in an addictive society. It's global, but it also is low here as well. And I think it's something we need to be talking about and to have a put our peacemaking mindsets um, and compassionate mindsets on when we approach these topics. So I'm really looking forward to hearing more about your ministry and your, your this nonprofit and even your story. So I just want to start from there. This doesn't, you don't just one day start. As, and lead a nonprofit. This comes from your own personal story. So just let's go back a little ways.
2: Absolutely. So I started drinking and drugging when I was 13 years old, and I'm actually 38 now. Okay. Uh, even though people tell me I look like I'm in my 20s, praise God.
1: Yeah. She is a youthful, <laughs> youthful appearance and vigor.
2: Um, but, uh, you know, and I was a high-functioning addict for many years throughout um, high school, using ecstasy drinking to marijuana, cocaine in college, and... Uh, everything in between. Um, and so, yeah. Uh,
1: so that's, let's, I want to just, where did that come from? Just the, was it opportunity or was it?
2: Yeah, I, there was some uh, childhood molestation, okay. um, wow. babysitter type stuff. And then my parents got divorced at 13. Wow. And so I think I also, just growing up in Arizona, it, I was. I never really felt like I fit in so much, and I just yeah. and at first, it was just fun, you know for many years, I just thought it was fun i, I didn't really understand I had trauma or these things that I was trying to fill up, and I wasn't raised in a godly home right. to be honest you, had, you know? didn't have
1: the the coping mecha- yeah. I mean, structure, to p- support structure right mm-hmm.
2: yeah, I had loving parents, but they sure. didn't you know we weren't walking you know the way of you know God, and I didn't have that influence yeah. so.
1: So, so back then you're you're in your teens mm-hmm. into college. This has becomes a lifestyle for you. Yeah,
2: binge drinking every single weekend probably wow. from 15 to almost uh maybe 27 years old. So blackout drunk on the weekends and uh you know at, the, at my high at the worst point I would say in my 20s it was you know, drinking alcohol, you know, in clubs, you know, and then starting to snort cocaine about one o'clock in the morning. Oh, my. Doing that till the sunrise, then smoking weed, then taking Xanax to pass myself out. And then not being able to get out of bed the next day and smoking weed all day. And then I would, you know, have to go to work on Monday and didn't feel good. Start feeling better about Wednesday, you know, had a couple good days and then do it again.
1: It's <laughs> like looking forward to. <laughs> and so yeah. for you, was this like, uh, was it self-soothing? People use that language, self-soothing for medic- Like, your I mean, me-
2: I love changing my consciousness. I yeah. mean, I liked smoking marijuana. I liked the feeling. Yeah. I mean, so. Right. Yeah. And I didn't really ever think it was a problem. I had a good job. I was serving on nonprofit boards. Yeah. You know, so.
1: So you're, you're in the workplace and then you're also traveling a ton. So you've done. Actually, a substantial amount of global travel. Yes. Just tell us a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, I've been
2: blessed to travel and serve in six continents and 45 countries. And so Woo. in my mid-20s, uh, I always had a dream I wanted to travel and serve around the world. Well, I met a couple that was doing it, and they gave me the opportunity. And so I helped develop community-based hearing health care programs okay. all around the world, training teams how to identify people with hearing loss fit hearing aids and then do the aftercare services. So I just kind of did an excellent job. I'm a builder. So right. paving this, you know, new program I standardized, but I was smoking weed every day. I actually smuggled weed to 45 countries. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, six <laughs> the, you know, I just praise God for protecting yes. me. You know, yeah. the locked up abroad show. I mean, my family would be like, you need to be careful. But yeah. I just, it was my medicine, I called it. And right. so um, I was a high functioning addict at the end there. You know, I was 200 days on the road a year, though. I was doing oh my pain pills and diet pills. And, you know, I didn't drink as much at that time because I knew I can't be hung over and do my job. So right. I figured out what worked for me. And it worked for a long time until it didn't. 2016, I burn out. Um, just complete depression, anxiety, and I really couldn't even work anymore. And wow. so one day I just quit my job. And I I tried to start moderating on my own, and I just wanted to have two drinks at a time and smoke weed a couple of days a week. You know, at this time, all I was doing was working and smoking weed. I was in bondage, you mm. know. And so I wanted to change, but at the same time, it's like I couldn't imagine my life without drugs and alcohol and thought it would be so boring. Um, but I was trying to do that, and... Um, I went home to Arizona. I, I lived in New York at the time, so I came back to Arizona and went out with some friends and told them I was moderating, and it didn't happen, and I luckily made it home that night, um, and I had told my grandma to take her to church the next morning. She's the only you know, Christian at the time in our okay. family, and I was so hungover from cocaine, and um, but I didn't want to let her down, so I remember smoking weed on the way to pick grandma up for church. Oh. <laughs> And uh, we walked into the church, and I I handed a program for the day that said addiction must fall. And Mm. so I knew God was talking to me. Yes. Yeah. So I knew, I wish I had a supernatural deliverance like I yeah. hear some people do, but that's not as common. It right. wasn't for me. And I had a secular life coach at the time, and she's like, have you tried asking God for help? I was like, hmm, no. Wow. Maybe that's a good idea.
1: <laughs> and so
2: I did. I She told me what to do, and I wrote I wrote it down. And it says, get down on your knees and ask God to help you change your life before <laughs> something bad happens. And yeah. so, so I yeah. did. Wow. That was my moment of surrender. I just got on my knees and said, God, I need help. I want to change my story. Please help me. And so I ended up uh, doing that. And a couple weeks later, I just felt led to look for support in my area. So I actually went to Marijuana Anonymous, okay. which is a real thing. I did thing. not know that. Yes.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then I got a sponsor and she said, hi, my name's is Wendy. I'm a pothead.
1: Uh-huh. And uh,
2: <laughs> then she encouraged me to get into Alcoholics Anonymous because it's the same, same 12-step right, program right. and there's more support. And at the end of the day, I had to quit drinking and all of it. Um, so I went through the program and I had the, the so-called spiritual experience you have within a couple weeks where I, the bondage of, to use was gone
1: mm. you know I didn't want
2: to go at first just so anybody I like I'm not like these people I'm never going back right. the first few times but you
1: thought that at, for when you I first went, yeah
2: and um, but my sponsor said look if you want to get sober you got to do what the people have done before you Yeah, done it you got to surrender to the process so I finally said okay I'm gonna do it and I did and the bondage was gone praise God but then I was still really struggling with mm-hmm. anxiety and depression and mental health is something I still struggle with today. Sure. That, yeah. Um but uh so I just knew there you know, I was like, Oh, I'm sober, but this life sucks. Especially feeling emotions from trauma and all these things that you've been masking for right. years.
1: Yeah. Wow.
2: So I ended up um, getting invited to a women's leadership conference in Austin, Texas. There was eleven women and myself, and I get there, and all these women are just joyful and successful. Mm. And I wanted what they had, and I'm like, "What's going on?" And I come to find out they're high on the Holy Spirit. That's what I like to say.
1: <laughs> Lisa, <okay. laughs>
2: um, huh. And so, uh, you know, but at this time, I was like. Don't talk to me about Jesus, I would tell my grandma. Don't talk to me about the Bible. You know, I was like anti.
1: Okay, right, right. I was in a new age
2: and all this stuff and, you know, um, but at this time the women just started really loving up on me and they were Mm -hmm. showing me the love of God and they just encouraged me. Why don't you, you know, I knew there had to be something more, Yeah. you know, and they said, why don't you just open your heart? Jesus is not afraid of your questions and ask him your questions and ask him to reveal himself to you.
1: Mm. So
2: I decided, okay, I guess I have nothing to lose.
1: Right. Sure.
2: So I did that. I started um, to, to open the Bible for the first time, I guess in my life, really, I'd gone to, you know, 18 years of, um, you know, Catholic, I was a Catholic, and I did believe in God, But and there are Catholics that do read their Bible, so please don't get me wrong, but at my church, we didn't.
1: Right, right.
2: <laughs> and I had never really heard the true message of the gospel, so I asked Jesus to reveal himself to me, and two months later, I was on a trip to Ireland, and I was um, getting off the plane in Dublin, and there was a couple sitting across the aisle from me, and a woman reached up for her bag and said to her hus- husband, "'Is this your bag?' And then she looked at me and said, or is this this little child's bag? And I was like, excuse me? (laughs) You know, do you want to say I'm cute and young or something? Yeah, what's going? Yeah, it wasn't anything like that. It was like, she goes, honey, you just look like a little child. And so I felt like that was an insult. And on the way to my hotel, I'm going, "Oh, little child, you know, how could you do that?" Yeah. And I get to my hotel room and I unpack my bag. I open um, this book that I had bought called "Bible Verses for Women" that I was, you know, seeking. Uh-huh. And I open it, and the book says, "Jesus asks you to come to Him like a little child." Whoa. And then the scripture, Matthew 10, 15, verily I say to you, unless you humble yourself like a little child, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of God. Mm. So I knew Jesus was real. Mm. He was talking to me. And that's what really started my journey, um, you know, to follow Christ, um, which is the most important thing to me has been really the most transformational thing in my recovery from moving from an alcoholic addict to a new creation in Christ Mm. Jesus. But I really had to go through the process of saying, What is Jesus Christ as your Savior? Why do I need a savior? I didn't believe in hell. I thought God God was good. He, why would He send anyone there? So sure. I actually didn't understand, and I had to go through six months of really doing, asking these questions, and God revealed Himself to me through people and the Bible and prayer, and I accepted the Lord in 2017 and have been on a journey wow. of healing and transformation since then.
1: So this is awesome. This I'm. Thank you. This is amazing. So, I, but I, let's from a timeline. You were you felt you were delivered from alcoholism, but before you came to. Christ,
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: So a lot of people think that you need Jesus, and then then all these problems are going to be saved. Mm-hmm. Is that? But that wasn't your story. Was a bit reversing that, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I think the the twelve step program uh, does really help a lot of people stay sober, and it's a great program. And then there's a next step. You know, I yeah. hope for most people, which is salvation and yeah. Jesus. Yeah.
1: I th- and I'm sure that process, I mean, it's massively humbling because you, mm-hmm. you have to admit that you can't solve your own problems. Yes. Is that right?
2: Yeah. It's, you yeah. have to surrender. You can't do it. You go through a process of amends. I'd recommend anyone to go in through a 12 step program and they have celebrate recovery for hurts, habits, and hangups. You know, you yeah. can go through for anything. So.
1: Mm. Okay. So now we're, we're, God has delivered you from your addict, this addiction, Mm-hmm. But it, it wasn't, it, I mean, it wasn't the instantly, it was like a process. It mm-hmm. was like a, a few weeks after you, your desires started to change, but then you had to have a sponsor. You had yes. to do yeah, a went, lot of the processes and did the work.
2: Yeah, I did. I worked the steps. I went to meetings. I did, yeah. you know, 90 meetings in 90 days and that was my lifeline, you know, and I actually ended up uh, then kind of waving off and relapsing after a year. Which relapses okay. like sixty plus percent of people relapse. Yeah. that's a hard part about working in this this industry yeah. you know, and helping people. But I had to relapse and then I had to start again. Mm. But and thank God I've been sober three years and seven months uh, today. So.
1: Wow. So this is so now we understand kind of like wh- who you are, and where you, this comes from, uh, and so now we can say this God has now placed you. Mm-hmm in Grace Sober Living mm-hmm. which is a non-profit mm-hmm. is it local or yes, local, local non in Arizona Okay so let's get let's find out about it tell me about it
2: Yeah my friend Jimmy Walker his son uh, Scott Walker actually had struggled um, you know, with addiction like myself and he had been in 27 different sober living and oh. treatment centers here in Arizona and he found that many of them are mostly profit driven, mm. charging a lot of money and not providing the services that people need to really recover so he had told his dad that he had a vision to provide Christian sober living that really cared about people mm. and so his dad told him he would help him unfortunately a week after that Scott went out and relapsed and fentanyl took his life. Oh my goodness! Um, you know, so uh, in his um, in his grief and healing, his dad Jimmy Walker, who's our chairman, um, decided that he wanted to fulfill Scott's vision. But then, you know, the Lord helped him took it took take it a little bit farther. And so, our vision is twenty seven homes by twenty thirty. <laughs>
1: Twenty-seven homes. Yeah. Okay. Wow.
2: And these are transformational recovery homes. So Jimmy okay. came to me with his vision, and the Lord helped me build out. What are the things that help me in recovery to reach optimal wellness and spirit, soul, and body? And working on all those different pieces. So um, I'm grateful that I have the background, you know, to do that. And we're still learning and growing. Um, we've been open for a year and a half. We have two homes now: one in Phoenix, one in Scottsdale for men in recovery. Okay, and we're opening our third home for women in Phoenix um, at the end of this year or early January. Um, so we are going to be, you know, serving both populations.
1: Okay. So a home, is that just like a regular home or is it – and then you – Yeah, it's a
2: residential home. We can have up to um, 10 residents depending on how much the house holds. Okay. Um, And so our program is really unique because we have – we are nonprofit, so we're raising – so we can keep Mm our – our weekly program fees low. So in Phoenix, we're 175 a week. Scottsdale, we're at 225 Most of the houses that are providing the services, we are with a full-time live-in house manager Home cooked meals, they yeah. have recovery meetings, biblical counseling, service days. They're charging upwards to 2,500 plus a month. Yeah. And people can't afford that or right. their parents are paying it and then they're not really teaching that person to get on their own feet. And so I really love that we have this model mm. that, you know, we're really providing a platform. We're a step two. We're not a detox. We're not a treatment we, – we really are partnering with different treatment centers and programs for us to be the next step after they get in treatment. Okay. If they go through our program for six months and are successful, we save about 20% of their fees and we'll give them a, a $1,000 scholarship to get into their next step housing.
1: Okay. So this is – so they, they've – and okay, so what is the dynamics or the demographics of the people coming to your homes?
2: hmm It's people that are at least 30 days sober, and they're ready to transform their lives. We are a Christ-centered home, so most people believe in Jesus or have a background in if they
1: They know that going in. Yeah,
2: if they didn't and they were open to going church and opening their heart and they were a good fit, then we would let them in. Right. Um but yeah, so we're not you know, we're not targeting a specific demographic, you know, 18 to I'd say 70, but it's really people right. who can work. They we we um if they don't have a job when they come in, we help them to get one within 3 weeks. So yeah. it's a working home. It's people who are rebuilding their lives to sustain sobriety but find their God given mm. purpose, and we are—we're seeing transformation. We're seeing families restored, mm. people um, going to school, going toward careers they want. That's the ultimate goal for this to be a stepping stone, um, you know, to have a successful life.
1: Do, so there's a couple different things that when I think of like a home like this, one would be you're emphasizing, you're showing a spiritual life. Like mm-hmm. this is a spiritual journey, mm-hmm. and you, you make it front and center. We're Christian. We're approaching this from a Christian sense. And the other is we're also a center, and we we also value science and modern Mm -hmm. medicine. So, how do you balance those two in your mind? Do they one is really important, or one is secondary? Mm -hmm. tell me, that's such a
2: great question because there's so many disparate perspectives in this field, right? And uh, I'm not an expert. All I know is that Jesus is the way. Yeah. But also, um, I'm someone who struggles to, I, I like to, I'm claiming my healing, so I've, yeah. I'm careful with my words. But from time to time, I struggle with anxiety. And I still am on medication for anti-anxiety and depression, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I understand, like, I've spent so many years abusing my mind. And, you know, yeah. those, you, it, your chemicals change in your brain, right. you know, and it takes time. So if people need to be on something. Thing to help them, you know, to stay sober. Then we're going to say you need to work with your medical professional to do what you need to do. Right. There are now, you know, um, medications that they put people on to get off, um, you know, different opioids and stuff like Suboxone, and yeah. we feel like those can be helpful for a period of time, but they're not like the answer. It the is a band aid. Right. So we ask them to work with their um, their doctor to get off. You know, mm. in sixty days if they can, within coming in if that's That's part of their treatment plan. So we're not medical professionals, but we require them to work with a doctor while they're in the home. Mm -hmm.
1: And because I, I do, there are some schools of thought who think that's you know, like you, that's you're not lacking, you're lacking faith Mm -hmm. if you take medicine. And we just need, like you said, people just need Mm -hmm. Jesus, and then they're going to be healed. Mm -hmm. And there's other people say it's always chemical, Mm -hmm. and if we don't and. Spiritual things are sort of secondary, but you're yeah. saying both are really important. We
2: are. That's kind of our take, and because there's some Christian programs that say AA is not Christian, and we don't do that. And so we're like, hey, we know the 12 steps works, Yeah. and if they're not sober, then they're not going to be able to follow Jesus. So right. we pretty much we create individual recovery care plans when they come in the homes and say, what are you doing now? What's working for you? If they're working a a then they can continue to do that and we're going to help them grow in the lord right, so we no, are right. working with each person individually to help them stay sober and get you know do short-term and long-term goals how do we help them get from mm. where they are to where they want to be
1: mm. so having to, i've been have the show for a couple you know a few years and there does seem to be a god theme here and that god uses our pain or our mm-hmm. suffering to be that that then becomes the opportunity to bring healing to the lives of others. Mm. And so that that wounded healer mentality I see over and over again. Those who are really effective and doing great things for the kingdom, very often it so ties into their own story mm. of healing. And I just, you know, I'm always blown away when I hear that. It's like, that is so God mm-hmm. to use to transform that pain and suffering that you went through. Mm. And then now you're bringing that same light to the lives of other people. Yes. I love it.
2: That, that's my hope and that I can resonate with them because I've been through it. Right. Know? So I'm glad God is using my story to help other people overcome.
1: So are, this is, might sound weird. Do you feel like you're cured?
2: I love that question. Um, I don't claim my identity as an alcoholic. At yeah. And I don't teach our residents either. I just yeah. imagine as Jesus sitting on the right hand of the Father you know, um, and looking down and me going, I'm an alcoholic addict. I'm sorry, but I just right. – I go, no, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm going to claim those things because right. I, the the Bible says, you know, Proverbs eighteen twenty one, death and life is in the power of the tongue, you know. Mm-hmm. And it says we are a new creation. So for me, I'm not going to claim that um, Do I still struggle with things? Yes. Right. And also the word says that if we're going to boast anything, boast in our weaknesses. Yeah. So I tell the guys, if they feel like they want to say that, I'm not going to condemn them, Right. but I'm going to share with them where I'm at and, and, you know, and I'm not, because I feel like you can go, oh, well, I'm an alcoholic addict. And then, you you know, you relapse and you're like kind of blaming it when really we have a responsibility in all this. Right. But do I know the the answer? I just tell people. I don't know. I'm still exploring it because now that I'm going to um, building relationships with treatment centers and things, people are asking me these questions. Is addiction a sin or is addiction a disease? And maybe it's both. Yeah. I'm not right. the expert. All I know is I need God. Yeah. And
1: if- <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and he's <Yeah>. the answer.
1: <laughs> right. We're all sinners saved by God's grace, yes. but we can become new creations. Yes. And I view other, yeah, fantastic <laughs> lens. So as we wrap up our show, just like how can our listeners connect to the work that you're doing So, in two ways? One, maybe there's, maybe there's an, you know, or you are, have some addiction or, you know, um, you know, someone. And secondly, just to help out, you know, yeah, get we have
2: homes. So we um, are just praying for the people that are ready for what we have. Um, we have more beds open right now. So at gracesoberliving.org. Um, and if you want to support our program on there, um, mm-hmm. I'm launching a, a Grace Givers monthly donor program for twenty seven dollars a month. That you can Why twenty seven? Because our goal is twenty seven homes. Oh, by 2030 got it. Okay. To help us provide, you know, the services that we need because our rates are so low. We're always going to be, you know, uh, having to raise money to support what we're doing. So, uh, yeah, Grace dot org. Mm. All of our information is on the website on how to uh, reach out to us.
1: Jennifer, this has been a fantastic conversation. GraceSoberLiving.org mm-hmm. to find out more. This, you've, been, you've blessed me. You've blessed, I'm sure, many people. Thank you for sharing your story and the, for the incredible work that you're doing.
2: Thank you so much, Jonathan. God bless. God
1: bless. Thank you for listening today. Counter Culture is made possible by Amplify Peace, educating, immersing, training, and launching peacemakers to build united communities.